All right. Let's start with the first video. We're going to have some videos and pictures. Hopefully, if, if I did it right. Yeah, there we go. This is the Sea of Galilee. This is actually all, the, the first morning that we had gotten there. And we just, and, and listen, I got it on loop because I couldn't put too many video, too many, too much of the timing of the video on one uh, specific email. So that's, I was emailing myself. That's what took forever. So let's go to the next one. This is also the Sea of Galilee. Now listen, in you, in the Bible, you might see it called the Lake of Tiberias or the, the Lake of Gisineret. This is all areas, uh, that are surrounding the Sea of Galilee. Okay, so in other words, if you're in Tiberias and you walk out of your house and you go into the, 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 the water, it would be called the Lake of Tiberias. If you went down the street, it would be called Gisineret. I think I'm saying it right. If not, I'm not a, a Greek guy. And the, I want you to see also, see this mountain? When you see the mountain, a lot of times the Bible says that Jesus went up on the mountain. This is what, this is what it's referring to. Okay? Now I want to read you just a, a quick verse of scripture because I want you to visually see as we read this that you can imagine Jesus being here, Jesus walking on, on the water. Look at what it says. In Mark chapter 4, verse 35 and through 41, it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is that even the wind and the seas obey him? I mean, think about that. You know, that happens in our own life. They had been walking with Jesus all this time. And, you know, obviously they've seen him do miracles. They've, they've, they've seen him, the power that he spoke with. But how many of us do the same thing? We're in our boats on our sea and we say, God, where are you? What are you doing? Do you not care? How many times have you said that to God? God, don't you even care that I'm perishing? And Jesus said, why are you still afraid? Have you no faith? You know, when, when, when I, it's just something about, being there and seeing that, it's just an amazement. All the times that you read in the Bible, you think, well, man, maybe that was, you know, a story. But when you actually see and you actually experience, that's why I wanted to show you this video. Let's go to the next one. This is, okay, when we were in the boat, when you would look across the area, there was a, there was a giant mountain. There was a, uh, it was called the Decapolis. And the Deca means 10, and there were 10 Greek cities. Now, I thought that this was pretty interesting because Jesus did quite a bit of things around those cities. You remember that there was a place called Gadara, which was where the demoniac of Gadara was. And he was in, in these tombs, and there were hole in, holes inside of these mountains. And there was this place, we didn't get to go to it, but I wanted you to see what, what this was like. There was actually a sea which is the Sea of Galilee, 
It's, but it was in the area of Gadara. There were 10 Greek cities. That's why you have the pigs. See, we didn't understand that. Well, how would there be pigs in a Jewish area? Well, this was a Greek area, and it was one of the 10 cities that were around in the time of Jesus. And there's this cliff that goes off straight into the water, and they know that that's the spot where the pigs probably went off on the cliff. Now, as Pastor Titus said before, when he, he was given the presentation on a Sunday morning, there are places that are called historical and there are places that are called traditional. Historical means these are the spots. Traditional is where people said that these were the spots were. Now, there are many things. Jesus healed a blind man here in this area. We also know that a lot of people, a lot of Greeks came from the Decapolis area when word spread all through the area, Syria, you know Syria? They had people that came from Syria and all that area to, to listen to what the Lord had to say. Now, as we keep going, I want you to see another picture. This is the Mount of Beatitudes. Now, you know the Mount of Beatitudes is Matthew chapter 5 through 7. Jesus gave one of his greatest teachings. This is where you see blessed are the poor in spirit. And it goes down. And it was, it was a terrific sermon that many people sat and listened to. And, and the tour guide was saying that as people would sit on that mountain, that someone could speak. And it made like an amphitheater. In other words, you can hear somebody speaking if you were at the bottom. So imagine Jesus sitting here and, and discussing the, the kingdom of God. I mean, imagine the awesomeness of that moment. Now, I want you to see another picture. We're going to kind of go through. I have a, quite a bit of pictures, so I'm going to read some things, and I'm going to keep going. Uh, this, was, this was called Tagba, Tabaka, Tabga. I don't know how you say it. But this is an area. This is one of the best stories to me in the Bible. If you remember the story in John chapter 21, verses 4 through 19, remember when Jesus rose from the, from the grave and he was appearing to the disciples, and then you had Peter who was heartbroken because he had denied the Lord. Remember that? He denied the Lord. He, he said, I don't know the man. He denied him three times. He heard the rooster crow. Remember that story? And you know what's interesting about this is that Peter was probably feeling like some of us feel when we when we blow it when when we mess up when we feel as if we disappointed the lord and and during this time peter is on is on the boat he's fishing jesus shows up in they say probably this area and he's standing there and he has a a fish breakfast for the disciples remember that that story and jesus says something that is so familiar remember this happened before Earlier in the Gospels, he said, hey, children, you have no fish, do you? Remember that? He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat. Remember that story? And then together they pulled in 153 fish. And Jesus said in verse 12, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. So with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to his disciples. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now remember, Peter is on the, is in the boat. Jesus is on the land. And all of a sudden, John says, it's the Lord. And Peter takes his clothes off, well, his outer garments, and he throws himself into the sea, the Bible says. 
and he ran after Jesus. Now, you know what I really like about this story is Jesus could have went to heaven and said, you know what, Simon, you blew it. You know, I'm still God. I'm still the Lord. I'm still going to use you. But the Lord cares how you feel. You know, when, when I think about when we blow it, when we do things that we shouldn't do, when we're sorry, when we're stuck in some type of rut or bondage, we think like Jesus is up, uh, up there trying to wash his hands of us, right? But sometimes if you read this story, it brings you back to the fact that Jesus initiated this. Like Jesus thought, I know what Peter's dealing with. I know how he is, and I'm not leaving this earth until I restore him. And I want you to know that I, I, tonight you might think that there's some things that you've done, and you're serving the Lord, you love Jesus with all your heart, and you keep messing up, you keep blowing a certain situation in your life, and you feel like Jesus is ready to be done with you. I want to encourage you tonight. That Jesus has a breakfast waiting for you, and he wants you to come and talk to him. And, and he's going to initiate this restoration process. And, you know, and so he goes through a series of questions. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Son of Jonah, do you love me? He, he, he would call him Simon. Remember, he changed his name to Peter, which is the rock. But sometimes Jesus would, would call him Simon because he really knew how to pierce Simon's heart. But you notice a lot of times when he called him Peter, he was telling Peter, boy, now you're acting like the rock. But when you look at this situation, he asked him, Simon, do you love me? And he said, oh, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I'm fond of you. And, and Jesus was saying, do you agape me? Do you love me unconditionally? You see, there was something that had happened that caused him to realize, remember earlier, Peter was boasting, I'll never do this, and I'll, I'll go to the, uh, you know, I'll go to the ends of the earth, I will follow you, I'll never back out on you. But his humanity really came out, and he started to realize, I phileo you, I'm fond of you. And sometimes situations will come up in your life, and, and you know, and I've shared this before, and I'll share it with you. I know for me, those miscarriages that we went through, that was God showing me, Kelly, you phileo me, you're fond of me. But there were some things that I was holding against the Lord. I was saying, God, I, I just can't believe you allowed this to happen. Right? You've ever been there? God, you could have stopped this. You could change this. You could allow this not to happen. You know who it was that was reaching out to me, pulling me deeper into his love? Jesus. It wasn't something that I conjured up. It wasn't a, something that I did to try to get God to, to notice me. He broke through the phileo wall that I call it, and totally penetrated through that and showed me, Kelly, I still love you with agape love, and it brought me to an unconditional love for the Lord. So I want to encourage you. That's one of the greatest stories. And I don't know what, what you have in your life that you may can look at and say, you know what, this thing is hindering me from falling in love with Jesus, from, from pursuing him with everything that I have. I want to ask you, I want you to go before the Lord tonight when you go home and say, Lord, is there anything in me that is stopping this unconditional love that I need to be giving you because I know that you're giving me? Amen? Let's look at the, another picture. This was cool. These were some rocks that were, I think there was three or four of them, that were sitting there in the same area. And they said over a period of time of erosion that the water would come in and go out. And it made like a heart shape. We all thought that was pretty cool. Okay, let's get, 
there are going to be some things in there you can be like, what? And some things you, you may think, wow, that's amazing. Now let's look at th- this picture. This is the Jordan River. We, we all jumped in there. We all got baptized. We all swam and sang. We worshiped the Lord. There were some guys, kind of looked like some hippies maybe, just kayaking through. <laughs> it's kind of cool. But this is the area that they say that Jesus was baptized. Remember, Jesus left, uh, started his ministry. He came here. And John baptized him. Remember, and, and G- John said, how is it that I'm supposed to be baptizing you, and yet you come to me? And Jesus said that all things would be fulfilled. So let's look at another picture. This is uh, a picture of, uh, I think, Miss Tanya and Pastor Todd uh, doing baptism. That's cute. <laughs> let's go to the next picture. And this was my mom. She got baptized. She freaked out. I thought it was a cool picture. But a lot, everybody else got baptized. And listen, God did some miraculous things. You know, when we talk about baptism and we talk about uh, what happens here many times on Wednesday night, it happened there too. People were getting revelation. They were seeing God's love. They were experiencing uh, the, the, the Almighty touching them. It was a tremendous experience. So I don't want you to think that water baptism is just some thing that people do. I believe that God will meet you when you, because it's really just taking a step of faith. Amen. Let's look at this picture. This is the area of Tel Dan. This is quite an interesting story, and you, you you'll see kind of what it is in a minute. I want to read the the verse of Scripture. Listen, a lot of this, we had a tremendous, great tour guide. We had two great tour guides uh, during this, and they were both Messianic believers, which means they believe in Jesus. So they were able to give insight on on these verses of Scripture. I want want to read something to you in 1 Kings 12, 25-33. It says, Jeroboam then built up the city of Shechem in the hill of the country of Ephraim, and it became his capital. Later he went and built a town of Peniel. Jeroboam thought to himself, unless I am careful, the kingdom will return to the dynasty of David. When these people go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord, they, they will again give their allegiance to King Rehoboam. Rehoboam was Solomon's son. Jeroboam worked for Solomon. And so there was, there was a word given by a prophet that Jeroboam would, if he continued in the ways of the Lord, that God would give him a dynasty just like he gave King David. Remember that? This is where the north and south split in Israel. They had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Okay? Then he said, then they will kill me and make me him their king instead. In other words, he was worried that Rehoboam was going to be the top dog. And so he was worried about that. And this is what he says. So on the advice of his counselors, see, sometimes you got to watch what kind of counsel you're getting. The king made two golden calves. And he said to the people, it is too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. He placed these calf idols in Bethel and in Dan at either end of his kingdom. But this became a great sin for the people worshiped the idols traveling as far north as Dan, which is where this picture is. It says Jeroboam also erected buildings at the pagan shrines and ordained priests from the common people. Instead of using priests from the tribe of Levi, he created his own priesthood. It says in Jeroboam instituted a religious festival in Bethel held on the 15th day of the eighth month in imitation of the annual festival of the shelters in Judah. 
There at Bethel, he himself offered sacrifices to the calves that he made and appointed priests for pagan shrines that he had made. So on the 15th day, on the eighth month, a day that he himself had designated, Jeroboam offered sacrifices on the altar of Bethel. He instituted a religious festival for Israel and went up to the altar to burn incense. Doug, can we put the picture back up? Now, here is where they would burn the sacrifice on the left-hand side. So they didn't have welding back then. Okay, so just so you know. <laughs> you probably can't tell, but there was some, some, I guess you could say some PVC, not, not PVC, some pipe. And they, what they did was they, they built an altar of the same size as what it would have been. And so you see the, the, the horns of the altar on each side. And so what would happen is they would, they would offer sacrifices and you see the steps. That's where they would sit at. And then on that platform on the top is called what the Bible calls a high place. Remember how you, they talk about the high places in the Bible? That is where the golden calf stood. Now, they got this idea from, remember, Aaron, when Aaron had uh, had the, the golden calf built. Remember that when, they, when Moses was up getting the Ten Commandments and they were worshiping this golden calf? Well, he, Jeroboam, built a calf like that and said, look, this is what got you out of Israel. So remember, Rehoboam took Ju Judah and Benjamin and the rest of the ten tribes came here. And when you think about it, that is where the unity of the tribes split. Even to this day, they don't know who the tribes are. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out to you. And also, the tour guide brought out the fact that this is very how, how Greeks worship. In other words, they sit out and they look to a stage, right? That's what we do, but that, that doesn't mean we Greek. It's just that's how we do it. <laughs> but... I want to show you another picture. This was, this was a synagogue in Nazareth, and it kind of shows us how they worshiped. And remember, this the synagogue that the tour guide was saying wasn't really a time where they got together and worshiped as we do. They got together and kind of sat, and somebody read from the Torah, and you see the seating area around it. You kind of sat around. It almost has a life group feel, right? It, it just, it, you know, it, it had this area where you just said, you can go to the next picture. You see, I just was sitting down and I took a picture. So it wraps all the way around. This is also, remember when Jesus went into the synagogue and read the scroll from Isaiah. Remember that? So this was a, a synagogue in Nazareth. Obviously, it's not the original synagogue, but it was a picture of one. Let's go to the next one. And I, I just wanted to... You know, that was a picture of what the scroll would have looked like. It's not like chapter and verse. They would roll the scroll and they would read it. They still do tour readings today, actually. Now, let's go to the next picture. Okay, Pastor Todd showed this a while back, but I, I'll kind of read the verse to you. This is in Genesis 14, 14 through 16. If you remember, Pastor Todd talked about a 4,500-year-old gate. This is the oldest gate in the entire world. And this is the, the verse. It says, when Abraham heard that his nephew Lot had been captured, he mobilized the 318 trained men who had been born into this household. Then he pursued Keldorulam. I don't know how to say it. Somebody want to say it? Okay. <laughs> uh, it says, this army until he caught up with them at Dan. There he divided his men and attacked during the night. This army fled 
But Abram chased them as far as Hobah, north of Damascus. This was coming from north of Damascus. You would have run into this area. It says, Abraham recovered all the goods that had been taken, and he brought back his nephew Lot with his possessions and all the women and other captives. So what the tour guide was basically saying is because Abram, Abram came from that area, it's possible that he walked through that gate. In other words, when you walk through that gate, those are probably the original steps that if Abraham went through that gate, would have walked up. And this, you see the, the area to the this side... <laughs> was an area that they tried to rebuild to match the gate, and they couldn't do it. And they said because the 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 uh, the mud and 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 what whatnot that was used actually, when they did carbon dating, had bone in it. So they were not able to make the exact uh, gate as what they had, and so they put a cover over it. And they, you know, the antiquities, the Jewish antiquities, uh, recognized that as a historical spot. Now let's go to the next picture. This is this is actually a video. This was cool. Pastor Todd had, I believe, spoke about this also, but this is a little bit more in-depth on it. This was a place in Caesarea Philippi. And actually, when you walk, there, there's a steps and it goes onto a platform. Now that opening right here was called the Gate of Hell. It was actually an opening, and what they did was they worshipped different statues. You'll see some of these areas that are cut out. They would put statues in there, and then they would they would they would worship them. And so people would come from all over the place, and they would worship different gods during this time. And they would do vulgar acts on these steps. These are the actual steps, and they were the actual flooring back uh, back in the days of Jesus. Now that's. You know, they had a lot of gross things. I mean, I was walking, wanting to walk lightly, you know, because I'm, you could use your imagination of the things that took place there, but it was very pagan, very wicked, and, and, and complete abominations took place there. So you have Jesus, and, and listen, when you're traveling through all these areas, when we, it's not like walking from here to the Chevron right here. I mean, you would literally have to walk miles. Sometimes it would take us 30 minutes, an hour to get from one place to the other. And the tour guide brought up the point. He said that Jesus took them to this place intentionally. And this is where this happened. I want to read you the verse. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Remember that? Well, it was interesting because the tour guide brought out the fact that this place was called the rock and Jesus would have taken, he actually said, you wouldn't want to take your leadership team to this pagan place, but Jesus took them to this place, said, could have been sitting here, could have been sitting on top of the mountain and said, bringing up the rock, Peter, what you have just said that I am Christ, the son of the living God upon that rock, that what you have said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. 
So that's just a little inside. Let's go to the next picture. Now, this was in a distance. They, the tour guide said that this was possibly Mount Tabor, which was the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember when Jesus transfigured, metamorphed in front of the, uh, the, some, a couple of the disciples and they freaked out because there was Elijah and Moses and they had came down during that time and they were discussing what would happen to Jesus, meaning the cross. So that was pretty cool. They actually have a church built on top of it. A lot of times in, in Israel, they have people that came in and built churches on top of ancient spots that are traditional spots, not necessarily historical. Now let's look at another picture. This is a picture of Armageddon. Remember the, the, the Valley of Megiddo? This was an older picture that we, we actually didn't get to go to the top of the mountain. So I found this picture just to show you an overhead. All the bat, all the, the, the land around it, around it, China, uh, all, all the air, the Russia, all of these areas that will come at the last days to fight against the Jewish people will happen here in this valley. It's amazing. It's, it's just a huge area that is just ready for battle. And so the, w- w- let's look at the, another picture. This is, we, we actually passed through it. And it was interesting that the tour guide said that all of the nations that are going to be coming against Israel, they all have roads that lead to this valley. And it's the absolute perfect battleground. And it's been said throughout history that this is the ultimate battleground. But the good news about this situation is that God's going to bring all the people that are coming against Israel to this area. And it is going to look like Israel is about to be destroyed. And then the Bible says... I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there and its rider was named Faithful and True. And he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes are like flames of fire and on his heads are many crowned. And I'm going to kind of go through it. And the armies which are in heaven, that's us who are taken at the rapture. We go to go to heaven. We go to the Bema Seed Judgment. We you know, eat the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's going to be a tremendous time. We're going to have ball crawfish. Cra- <laughs> Dr. Pepper, Brandon's not in here. We're going to have Dr. Pepper. No, I'm just, we're going to have a great time. We're going to worship the Lord. Then we're all going to get on, on horses, according to the Bible. So I don't know if you're scared of horses, but you'll get over that. And we'll all come back to this area over this plain. And that is where the Lord Jesus Christ will destroy all of the enemies of Israel. And he will come in and rule and reign from Israel. That's coming. Amen? Amen. Now let's go to the next picture. This is the house, they say, of Simon the Tanner. You remember there was a man named Cornelius. He was in Caesarea, which is also a place that we went, where Herod's palace was. And it was also, you remember the picture that Pastor Todd showed where they had the, the chariot races? That area. And Cornelius was told to go to Simon the Tanner's house, remember that story, and speak to Peter. Remember, Peter was like, man, I don't know about these Gentiles. They're unclean. And and that's when God gave him the vision of the sheet. And, and, and he said, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. And God said, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. In other words, don't call us unclean. That's really what it was saying. Because Peter 
was kind of looking at the, at the Gentiles and saying, you know, I don't know if, if these people could come in. Really, he hadn't known because he was such a strict Jewish person. But this is a, uh, this is a picture when Cornelius, who was the first Gentile convert, came and talked to Peter. And this was on the place of Jaffa. It's where, the, you know, the Bible talks about Joppa. And this is also an area, go to the next page, next picture. This is the dock or one of the docks that to the farther area towards the back is where they say Jonah left to go to Nineveh. So this was that same area. So really, when you look at Simon the Tanner's house, it said it was by the sea in Jaffa. So they say because of how old this house is, it's possible that that was the house that Simon was on the roof and had the vision. It was kind of crazy because when you go down to see it, and you look to your right, there was like a guy walking out with his dog, like going walk his dog. <laughs> it's like, dude, you live right here. Okay, then maybe that don't fascinate you. But that fascinated me. I was like, dude, you live right here. And it was just life as usual. So anyway, uh, let's look at this picture. Okay, this is on the western side of the, the Mount of Olives. Now, in other words... These pictures go from left to right. So you're going to see two more pictures after this picture. And it's like it's it's a picture where the other one stops off. In other words, I took it like this, like this and like that. Okay, so this is the mountains of Jericho. The tour guide said that Jesus would have come from the from this area when he came to Jerusalem before he was, you know, the uh, the Passover week. So he would have come through here. And let's look at the next picture. This village right here in the valley is Bethany, where Jesus had friends Mary and Martha, which is also the place that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember that? It's more, it's more of a Palestinian area now. Uh, that the, the Arab, uh, the Arabs pretty, live there. And the thing about it is a lot of places that are there, like we couldn't go to Jericho because we had a Jewish tour guide. They still kind of don't get along as you can probably imagine. But I thought the interesting thing is that the Arab people can come and go like they want. They can come through Jewish areas, but the Jewish people could, cannot go to their area. So, you know, because you, you hear stuff on the news and I can assure you it's not what they tell you. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to not get in trouble there. And then as you keep going, this is the Mount of Olives. Okay. This is where this was, this is an amazing place right here. <laughs> they actually had some, some, a guy that was walking his sheep down the Mount of Olives. So you could go from like Tel Aviv where they got big sunglasses and, you know, the, the newest clothes and go right down the street and see, uh, you know, a, a guy walking his sheep. It, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, so this is the Mount of Olives. Let's go to the next picture. This is on the other side. This is the east. This is the actual City of Jerusalem. Now, when you look to the left at the bottom, when you, when, when the, if the camera goes that way, it's actually the remnant of Nehemiah's wall. See, yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so they built, you know, the, the, the area had been ransacked, burned to the ground, and they would just build on top of it. So what you're seeing is the actual walls built on top of the actual walls that Jesus would have walked around and been in. So, 
you know, when you look at this verse, I want to read, I want to read a verse to you looking at this. In Zechariah 14, 3 through 5, it says, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as he fought in times past. This is speaking of at the second coming. Remember, we read that early in Revelation. We're just picking up what Zechariah says about it. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, which is where we were. And the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half toward the south. You will flee through this valley, for it will reach across to Ezel. Now, when you look at this, we saw the east, the west was where, uh, was where Jericho and all that was. That was the west, and the east was what we're looking at, so it's going to split this way. And then this is from the city looking at the Mount of Olives. So the fact that Jesus is going to come here, set his foot there, and it's going to split is amazing. Now, some people say where you saw the Dome of the Rock, that that's possible where Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac. Remember that story? And then also, it's also a, a place where they say it's possible that's where the Garden of Eden was. Yeah, it's amazing. So the very cradle of civilization. Tradition says that there, where the Dome of the Rock is, there's a rock that's there. And you can still see it to this day, but they won't let you really go in there. But they say that's where God would have gotten the dust to make Adam. Like I said, that's historic. That's not necessarily what the Bible says. Now look at this next picture. Okay, this, that's from the Mount of Olives looking through the Kidron Valley and on into the city. Now go to the next picture. This is the eastern gate. I want to read this verse to you. It's in Ezekiel 44, 1 through 2. Or 1 and 2. <laughs> through 2. All right. Then the man brought me back to the east gateway in the outer wall of the temple area, but it was closed. And the Lord said to me, this gate must remain closed, and it will never again be open. No one will ever open it and pass through, for the Lord... The God of Israel has entered, entered here. Therefore, it must remain shut. Now, this was a, this is cool because Ezekiel saw this. That gate had not been closed during the time of Jesus. Jesus was able to walk through that gate. But what happened was, years ago, the, the Muslims put, blocked this wall. And they put a, a cemetery in front of it because they said no messianic priest or, or messiah can walk through uh, <laughs> that's not too funny, but <laughs> no, a messianic Jewish priest or Messiah cannot walk through a, uh, a cemetery is what the belief was. But really, they were fulfilling prophecy, you see? That get, they didn't know that they were really doing the work of the Lord, and this gate was sealed. So this is why I said all that. Jesus is going to come back, set his foot on the Mount of Olives. He's going to walk through the Kidron Valley going to walk through probably that gate because it's on the eastern side. It's the outer court of the temple. Keep going to the next picture. This is a picture. You see the eastern gate over there where the temple is? That's a picture of what it looked like. Okay, go to the next picture. Okay, this is, you know, this was something that we just would ride by. We, we were so, or I was so enamored with this. I'm like, look how beautiful this is. That's beautiful. This is the word that Jesus used when he talked about hell. <laughs> really. When you read about hell in the Bible, it uses the word Gehenna in the Greek. But in the Hebrew, it was called the Valley of Hinnom or Gehenna. 
And what happened here, there's a couple of verses in 2 Chronicles, but I'm just going to kind of go through it quickly. What they would do here is you ever heard of the, 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 the altar of Molech? They would take, you know, the, this big statue and they would have, and its arms would be out and they would heat up this area underneath. They would put wood in there and they would burn it. And what would, they would do is they would sacrifice their children to Molech. And they would put the babies on their arm and then they would beat the drum loudly so you could not hear the baby screaming. They were sacrificing their children to Moloch is what was happening. And that spirit is still alive today. Amen. And this is also the spot where Jesus said, if your arm, if your hand causes you to, to sin, cast it out, it'd be better for you not to enter into hell or Gehenna. Remember that? This is the verse of the place that, he's, that he was referring to. It was also a trash dump. They would dump all of their trash and burn it. And, it, and they said that the fire would go on for days and days where the fire is never quenched. This is that area. It also says in Isaiah 66, 24, and this is talking about the time during the, the millennial reign. It says, and as they go out, they shall see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me. For the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns will never go out, and all who pass by will view them. So evidently, scholars say that there will be a place on the side of the city that will be opened up that you can look down and you will be able to see people that rebelled against the Lord. So this area, as beautiful as, as it is, they're playing soccer and all these things. It was not that in the time of Jesus. Okay, and this is on the on, right on the, the outside of the city. Let's look at another picture. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. This was really cool because there were a couple of olive trees. There was about two of them that were there that, that you know, when an olive tree grows, the tour guide was telling us that it grows wide. In other words, branches come out, and that's how you can tell the age of the olive tree. So it's possible that that olive tree right there was there during the time of Jesus. Imagine what that tree saw as he saw our Lord weeping because of what was about to happen to him. Let's keep going. Let's look at this picture. That's, that's that 2,000-year-old uh, tree. To the next one. Okay, this is the remnants of walking into the first temple. I mean, the second temple. In other words, they say Jesus would have walked on these steps. That's amazing. Okay. Next picture. This is another area, uh, same area, but of a different view of it. Keep going. Okay, this area right here was a model of what that we were just showing you. You see? So you, you'd walk up those steps and go into there and you'd go into the temple. Okay? So that th there was this big area that literally showed, I mean, you can see it from here. It was a, a giant area of what the city of Jerusalem would have looked like during the time of Jesus. Let's look at the next picture. And this is a picture of what the temple, they say, would have looked like during the time of Jesus. It's beautiful. There's the outer court, the inner court, and obviously the Holy of Holies was there. The next picture. Look at a picture of the eastern gate. See? The eastern gate, how it leads into the temple. Now remember, the eastern gate that was there before was sitting, is sitting on, on top of everything. So remember, they're still excavating bottom, the bottom of the city and they're finding different areas. Let's look at the next picture. That's a picture of the Eastern Gate once again. Next picture. Okay, this area is inside the city. You saw the picture that I was showing you a while ago. You see there's an outer wall to the back. 
That was on that side of the wall. This is on the inside of the wall. And they say that this is possibly the area where Jesus would have turned the tables in the temple. Remember back then, people had to come to the city of Jerusalem during the feast. And people that were, you know, pretty wealthy would would come from a far area and other people that were not so wealthy would also have to travel a distance and when they would get there you, you ever saw people carrying lambs around their neck to, that, that's what they would do but if people had didn't have much money they would come here and when they would finally get to the area and they would go to buy a sacrifice people there would jack up the price of the sacrifice they were prostituting the sacrifice you believe, you know, people do that today, right? They use the gospel to fleece people. They make money. Okay, on the, <laughs> you get the point. So they say that this is possibly the area where Jesus would have flipped the, the tables and said that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Next picture. That, that's a, a, another picture of the inside. Next picture. Okay, they said that this flooring was actually there during the time of Jesus. It goes along the western wall. They say, they say that Jesus would have possibly walked on these very streets. I was, you know, everywhere Jesus went, it was like, oh my Lord, look at this. Next picture. This is the picture of the menorah that will be in the new temple. It's an, it's the actual menorah that will, that will go in there. It's beautiful. And, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're getting the furniture and all these different things at the Temple Institute. And so they, they have this on, this on display. This is where they will light the menorah. It would actually be put in the new temple. Next picture. Okay. This is the Western Wall. You've seen this. Remember, uh, re- recently the president went there and, and, uh, his son-in-law and all the people, they went there and they prayed on the wall. This is the Western Wall. Okay. Next picture. This is, this is what it looked like. I mean, they just had people praying and, and worshiping and reading, you know, verses of scripture. I mean, just reading and reading and, and wailing. And I mean, it, 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 this place was not open back in the day to the Jewish people until I believe 1967. Uh, during that war, they were able to come and claim Jerusalem and, and claim this wall. Next picture. That's another picture of the wall. And remember, this is where the Jewish people believe that this is the holiest place in Israel because they believe it's part of the wall that led to the temple. And some believe, some of the mystics believe that God's spirit actually lives in that wall, which we know he doesn't. He lives in us. Next picture. (laughs) Okay, this is a picture from a distance looking at the same area. Okay? This is probably one of the pictures you always see when you look at the, the, the city of Jerusalem. Next picture. Okay, this was really cool. I'm going to read this verse to you. It says, Zechariah 14.8. Remember, this is when Jesus comes back. He steps his foot on the Mount of Olives. It splits. And guess what happens here? On that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half towards the Mediterranean Sea, flowing continuously in both summer and winter. Now, when you look at this verse of Scripture, there's a verse in, in also in Ezekiel that talks about the Dead Sea being healed. Now, the picture that you saw right here, you see these little sinkholes. It said that there are thousands of them all around the Dead Sea. And what's happening is fresh water is being filled there. And the Bible says that people will be able to fish in the Dead Sea. Right now, nothing can live in the Dead Sea. Okay? But there are fish living in these areas right now. 
So you see what's happening is that the land is being healed. And eventually, it's going to flow into the Dead Sea and, and life will be able to happen there. Next picture. This is, you see these areas? These are these little sinkholes that are, are starting to form and those are, that's fresh water. Next picture. Okay, Ezekiel, when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. These are trees that are actually growing on the side of the Dead Sea. This is in a straight desert area. It's amazing. When you look all around in Israel in these desert areas, there are greenhouses and fruit everywhere. I mean, you can ask the people that went. As far out as you can see, you see fruit everywhere. Uh, next picture. Oh, thought I took that picture out. This was us at the Dead Sea with mud all over us. <laughs> Next picture. <laughs> okay, this was your, on the roof of the upper room. This was one of the most powerful prayer meetings we've ever, I've ever been to. Pastor Todd led us in prayer on the roof of where they say the upper room was. It was an amazing time. Uh, next picture. And that's just a picture. As we were walking off, I just turned around and took a picture of it. Just to remember how amazing that, that time was. Next. Okay, this picture, man, this picture, guy, it messed me up in Israel. This is at King David's tomb. They, they, they had people that, when you go in there, they, they say it's where King David is. He's not in there. He's not in that tomb. But it's a giant tomb, and they had people that were in there that were literally praying that King David would help them. They were praying to King David. So when we went in there... I, I saw this, this guy and I took a picture and this verse came to my mind, Romans 11, 11, 16. Did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. Think about that. It says, for I want somehow to make the people of Israel jealous for what you Gentiles have, so I might save some of them. For since their rejection meant that God offered salvation to the rest of the world, their acceptance may be even more wonderful, and it would be as those who were alive from the dead. That, I mean, I'm telling you, I love the Jewish people. I, ever since I went to Israel in 2000, just to see that, I mean, to see what God has, has done. I mean, everything that we have, this book, we would not have unless it was come through the hands and the, the Jewish people. So that's why we should be praying for the Jewish people, that their eyes would be open. And that's, in my mind, it was like he was outside the church. And just in his face, you could just tell, you know, like he was just wanting to get in. Really, he was wanting to get in because they were praying to David, but, you know, I was going to leave that part out. Next picture. Now, this was complete blasphemy. I don't know if you, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was defilement. This is the abomination that causes desolation. I'm just joking. I'm just picking Alabama fans. Let's look at another picture. These are the thorns that they said went on, from this tree would have gone on Jesus' head for the crown of thorns. This next picture. That's another picture of it. Next picture. Okay, this is the place of Engedi, the valley of, of Engedi, the mountain of Engedi. If you remember the story, David and his men were hiding in one of the caves, and they, and there was a valley that was there. Remember that story? You remember the story? 
I encourage you to go, go and read it. I don't have time to read it now, but what happened was Saul went into, the Bible says, to relieve himself, to use the bathroom, <laughs> and David was in there, and, his, and the, the, his men were like, hey, man, get him. Now's the time, which would have been awkward. <laughs> so David went and cut a hem of his garment, the, the bottom of the garment. Saul leaves, walks out. He goes across this valley, and David says, Saul, I could have killed you. The Lord delivered you into my hands, but I, I decided I would not touch the anointed. So that's, that's what that picture is. This is the place where it happened. Next picture. That's, that's what the caves would have looked like. The holes, they, they say that's possibly, you know, what they were talking about in the Bible. Next picture. This is a, a, one of the springs that was flowing from En Gedi. Next picture. Okay, this is Hezekiah's tunnel. This is, this was a really cool, this was about 20 minute walk. There were some areas that you had to duck down. They had water that was up to your knees, sometimes up to your waist. Some areas I could take my hand and put one side of the wall and my elbow would touch the other side of the wall. This is what it looked like. I mean, this was an amazing experience. This is where Hezekiah built a tunnel to get water from the city of David to Jerusalem. Let's keep going. This is the pool of Siloam. This is really cool. This is, remember the story when Jesus put mud on the, the blind man's eyes and he said, go wash off in the pool of Siloam? This is it. In other words, he would have came down these steps. They had water there. They uncovered this place. And that is the pool of Siloam. And remember that guy was like, I don't know who, which y'all got a problem with this guy for. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. Amen. Let's look at another picture. Okay, this is what they call the place of the skull. This is the place where they say that Jesus was possibly crucified. It's outside the city, and the Bible says he was led to the place of the skull, which is Golgotha. It's also called Gordon's Calvary. This man is the one who found this area uh, when, when they were coming back to Israel. Next picture. This is the garden tomb. You know, you always see the picture of it on the, you know, when you see pictures for Easter, but we got to go in, and I videoed it, so just check this out. This is inside. That's my mom. <laughs> okay, this is, uh, th yeah, they, they say that this is possibly the area. Once again, nobody knows this is a traditional site because it's, it's right by Golgotha and it's in a, in a garden that had a wine press dated back to the time of, of Jesus. Next picture. This is where the stone would have been rolled. Remember the, the women were afraid who was going to roll away the stone? Next picture. Okay, this is pretty cool because, you know, I want to close with this. There were five things that the Bible talks about that we as a group got to see with our own eyes. For prophetic fulfillment. And this is the, the Bingurian airport. You see where it's at? It's on this, this place that is, you know, it looks like a shoulder, right? This is actually what they call it. I want to read you the verse of Scripture. In Isaiah eleven fourteen, but they shall fly down upon the shoulder of the Philistines toward the west. Together they shall plunder the people of the east, and they shall lay their hand on Edom and Moab, and the people of Ammon shall obey them. So, in other words, this was in the land of the Philistines, which is by Ashdod, and they say that that is the is is what they call a shoulder. And the Bible says when they flew in, they flew they will fly in on the shoulders of 
the Philistines. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's a, a picture of, you know, Sir Isaac Newton came, you know, came up with this theory and because he looked at the Hebrew word and, and you know, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> but, uh, and then let's just go to the next picture. Now I said all that to say, there's, there's a couple of verses, you know, the Bible says in Jeremiah that God was going to bring the Jewish people back to the land and he would build up the land. And Amos, it says, I will bring back the, the captives of my people, Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. And they shall plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall make gardens and eat fruit from them. I will plant them in their land and they will no longer be pulled up. Now, the Bible also talks about it. This is another one I want to show you. And Isaiah, the time is coming when Jacob's descendants will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the whole world with fruit. Now, I said that earlier about when you saw the greenhouses, when we saw the greenhouses. But they told us that Israel fills 80% of this entire world with fruit. That's literally fulfilling the scripture. Uh, there's no more pictures. Okay, so let me just wrap up here. And also, the Bible says in the last days, I will make Jerusalem a burdensome stone, and all who try to move it will be crushed, right? Right now, every eye is focused on Jerusalem. You see the president meeting, and they're trying to talk about a peace treaty. Well, I don't think that's going to get done, because the Bible says that the Antichrist will come in and set the peace treaty, and that starts the tribulation period, whether you pre, mid, or post, people agree that that is the start of the seven-year tribulation. So I said all that to say, look at these prophecies that have been fulfilled that can only be filled when, when Israel is in the land. Also, the Bible says in Zephaniah that he would restore a pure language. In other words, they speak Hebrew now. They speak Hebrew. That's the language that they, that, that they speak. Once again, that could only happen with the Jewish people being in the land. And the other one, it's like I told you, all eyes would be on Jerusalem. Now, the reason we left this picture up, remember when Jesus, we could stand here. <laughs> it's just a little different when you're doing a presentation. So, hope I didn't make too bad of an F. But anyway, in Acts, remember Jesus ascends. But before he ascends, it says, when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, have you, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has the authority that sets these dates and times. It says, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. and You will be my witnesses, remember, in, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And look what it says. After this, he was taken up in a cloud where they were watching, where they could no longer see him. And then there was two men on the side that says, Men, why do you stand here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus will come back in like manner. Remember that? So, in other words, Jesus, when he comes back, he comes for the, the rapture of the church. He takes us. He doesn't come and set his feet. He stops in the air, takes us. We go. I, I explained that to you. But when he comes back at the Battle of Armageddon, he comes back on horses. He sets his foot on the Mount of Olives, right? And then he walks in and sets up his kingdom. That's what the prophecy is, that he will, he will come in like manner as you saw him go. He will come back and restore the kingdom. And we will go into a thousand years of peace. And then that's when, after that, the judgments happen and we, you know, heaven comes down to earth. I saw a city coming down and, and it, it, the glory filled the earth. Remember all those verses? And then we go into eternity. So I just want to stop right here 
This is amazing. I mean, when you think about the Bible coming alive before your eyes, you may be here and you may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Listen, time is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And you know, it's like Pastor Todd said a while back, it'd almost be good to just send a bunch of atheists to the Holy Land. Because when they see historically these things coming alive before our eyes, it's hard to be an unbeliever. I mean, really, it's to the point now where you don't have to defend the Bible. The Bible defends itself. So I just want to give you an opportunity. If you can say that I'm, I haven't received Jesus as Lord. In other words, I haven't confessed my sin and asked him to wash me and cleanse me. And if he comes back, I want to be in his kingdom. I just want you to lift your hands and I want to pray a prayer with you. I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand. Listen. Let's pray this. I see your hand. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. And I confess that I've sinned, that I've broken your laws, and I ask for forgiveness. I put my faith and my trust in what you did for me at the cross. Thank you for saving me. I believe that you rose from the grave on the third day and you are seated at the right hand of God. Help me live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, I just want you to, there's a card in in your pew. It's a green card. It says, I made a decision. It has a green top. Just fill it out. Place it in the in, in the uh, either in the offering box or you could bring it to the info center. We have a gift gift for you, and we want to pray for you. You know, when you when you write this down, we pray in our meetings over you. We pray that the Lord will will, will minister to you. And and I just want to encourage you: if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles that we can give you. We want to help you in your journey with the Lord. Amen. Well, let me pray pray play. <laughs> pray a blessing over you. Father, I just thank you right now for your people. I just ask that you would bless them as they go. Lord, I ask that you would bless everything that they touch and everything that they do for your kingdom and for your glory. And Father, we thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. Amen and amen. Sorry we went a little bit over, but you're dismissed.